Welcome to LeapCast. I'm your host, Dr. George James. LEAP stands for leaders, entertainers, athletes, and performers. And I'm on a journey to connect with high achievers and highlight their unexamined human moments. Tune in to learn how these high-achieving LEAP individuals were able to reach their greatest potential, face their most difficult challenges, and embrace the human moments that helped them along the way. If you want to get the episode highlights directly in your email, then head to theleapcast.com right now to subscribe. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to LeapCast, where I talk to leaders, entertainers, athletes, and performers. I'm excited to today, a long friend, a friend from a long time ago, we reacquainted Squire Servants. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're joining me. And I'm excited to kind of get into your experience and your journey. What I like to start off with is what I call the leap story, which is to kind of go back to as early, you know, as you can, you think about early years, what kind of shaped you, family, siblings, life experiences. So if you can go back to those, an early kind of memory that shaped you, what would it be? So first of all, welcome. And then two, what would be that early memory? No, no. Well, look, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Good seeing you. It's been uh, far too long. Yeah. Um, it's been a while, but look, it's a pleasure being here. Uh, so I can go back. It's probably, so what I do now, I'm in the scientist, I'm an investor at my own company, but I, maybe it makes sense. I can start back to where that idea probably came from. And that maybe it's a good starting point. You know, I did a, re- so growing up with my parents, my, they both have advanced degrees, love law degrees and Growing up, I felt like, or really what I understood to be like success was like either a doctor or a lawyer, doctor or lawyer, right? That's what I kind of knew, right? Yeah. And, you know, given that context, and I didn't know like consulting, investing, anything with some of what I'm doing now, but I, I did a report in sixth grade on orthopedic surgeons. And I was like, oh man, this is pretty cool, man. I was like, oh, you make 500000 a year, you get to work with athletes. This is an amazing job. And from sixth grade on, from that project that I had to do in sixth grade on, I've been chasing after the life sciences in that space. And so kind of just the power of like good teachers and good programs and things like because like I could pinpoint where my desire and uh, passion for the sciences kind of came from. And, you know, as we transitioned, I got older, I went to the plan was to go to med school. So I went to undergraduate school and. And so I did a double major. I did biomedical engineering. It's my first major in cell biology and okay. neuroscience. As my wait, 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 wait. So let's, let's, you double majored already in biomedical. That's already a lot. Yeah. Look, hey, I start off as a bio major and as a psych major. My wife is a bio major. So I kind of get, <laughs> and you, but that wasn't it. And you said, and cell yeah. what? Yeah, cell biology and neuroscience. Oh, yeah. You were deep and, in it. Yeah, I was deep. I was deep in it, right? And and so the thinking, the thought process behind it was like, hey, look, I don't, I wanted some flexibility career wise. And like, look, I wanted to go to med school. That's what I was going to school for. But I was like, what if I did not like that route? I wanted to have a skill, which is why I did engineering. I was like, biomedical engineering, I could come out, I could practice as an engineer, and I could kind of, you know, have a career that way. And then the cell biology kind of just got somewhat added on as I was, I was like, I'm like five, seven classes shy of getting a second major. Why, why not do this? Why not? 
Let's yeah, why not? why not? Why not do this? And so you have a theme like throughout my life. I am, I generally try to, I would say, like try to maximize whatever yeah. you know opportunities is given me. So like it is a very it is a theme that that kind of flows throughout my life. And so I, I kind of did that, and I ended up not going to med school. And and I can't really pinpoint the reasoning why. It was just I talked to some doctors. Question, though, why? Like like especially from orthopedic surgeon fifth grade to to now the decision point and right you, and you so I'll, I'll try to unpack it a little bit and, and I, I truly don't have a, a good like these are think the reasons i spoke with a number of doctors in this space i was in like a, a early program around for med students and practicing for the mcat and doing lab work and you know what i think i ultimately felt was that my personality doesn't necessarily mesh with kind of what that career looked like for my eyes at the time, yeah. right? I was more sociable, out and about, trying to do things, hands-on, variety of different projects. And when I look broadly at just at the doctor, you know, medical field now, look, I, I appreciate that I probably didn't know everything I needed to to know about what doctors do and what have you. But when I looked at what they were doing, when they were in the office, they were you know, interacting with patients, and it didn't mesh me personally with where I really wanted to be. And so there's probably something deeper to that, <laughs> like, but that's like the ultimate reason. Yeah. And, and you know what's, and, what's interesting about that, when I think about my own journey, because I thought I wanted to be a medical doctor as well, it was... One, I wasn't performing as well as I needed to in undergrad in the sciences in particular. So if this is what I want to do, like, hey, I need to step up. And two, I didn't have the passion for it. I just it wasn't I didn't enjoy it. It was like I was forcing myself. And three, I think to what you're saying is that when I forecasted the lifestyle and how I wanted to live, it didn't feel like it lined up and it just it didn't feel right. And somehow I was able to pivot. But it sounds like you, was this like, you were studying for the MCAT. So you were already like. Yeah, I was pretty far. I, I made the decision to like end of my junior year that, you know, this wasn't, the medical school wasn't the route for me. And, you know, I've learned over the years that trust your gut. It took me a while to get there. But like, to your, I think you made a really good point is that sometimes you have to trust your gut and your instincts about what you feel about yourself and what makes sense. But yeah, I made the decision very late in the game. And it's interesting. So I knew I wasn't going to go to med school and I knew I didn't want to practice as an engineer. And so the next question- the Two really things was, that you were already- the Two things I was really on uh, on the move for. And then it was like, well, what do you do? Mm. And, you know, I, again, going back to kind of childhood, doctor's lawyer. It's like, all right, well, not going to be a doctor. I guess law it is. Now, in saying that, it wasn't just a – so my mother was a judge. My okay. father had his law degree. Okay. I knew doctor. I knew, wait, wait, wait. Uh, so were both your parents had law degrees? Yes, both my parents had law degrees. Okay. And one – My mother was a judge. My dad didn't practice. Okay. All right. Yeah. You know, so I knew familiar with the field, exposed to it um, throughout my life. And I did know to some extent that – I could use my engineering degree in law. Like, mm. so I knew patent, being a patent attorney, writing patents in the sciences, dealing with innovation, could marry my background and passion for yeah. sciences with, you know, with the law and, and as a profession. 
How and do you so, sorry, just, I mean, cause I think that's unique because when you get to that place, that decision place junior year for me, sophomore year, sometimes after you graduate and you have like these degrees or this knowledge, sometimes people feel stuck and I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know where I can go. And then they either put themselves in a box or somebody puts them in a box or, or they end up, and I don't mean this like in a disrespectful way, but they end up like working retail. Right. Like yeah. they have this, these things, but they just don't know what to do. So I'm wondering, like, how did you figure out? I know there's something I can do with this. It probably just my advisor. I know I spoke with some advisors at Rutgers at the time and they kind of advised me. But I think some of it is, yeah, I've, I have a lot of confidence in my, <laughs> whatever I do. I feel like it truthfully, and I think everyone needs to feel like that. Like I'm like, it doesn't matter what my background is, whatever it is, I can figure it out. Right. And so, it could have been anything. And I'd have been like, you know what? I have an engineering degree at the time, but you know what? I'm going to figure out how to get to point B, right? From point A to point B. And so so some of it is, is a little bit of that as well. But probably the more pointed answer is that I probably spoke with some, I did speak with some advisors and some folks in the space. And they're like, well, look, you can marry these two. But you do have to believe in yourself that you can make that leap. Because it was a leap, right? Like I'm going to law where it's heavily reading and writing where yeah, I just didn't have to do a lot of that in in my engineering program. I just didn't. And so there was a you know a little bit of fear about that transition, but I wasn't going back. My, you know, <laughs> I was like, I'm not going back to school to get another <laughs> degree to switch. And so like this is where this is these are the cards that I've dealt at this yeah. particular point and I have to move forward. There was really no other option at that point. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and I do think there's value in being confident in yourself, right? Like, there's so many ways that we can be down on ourselves, have low self-esteem, or just don't believe in what's possible. So I, I think that's a huge part, having the confidence. And like you said, you know, have, being able to speak to some advisors. So so now at this point, you know, okay, medical school, all right, that's not happening. Engineering, no, that's not happening. And okay, law, all right, I could, and I could, Use what I already have there. Right. So, so I'm assuming you went to law school. I mean, yeah, I know you did, I but like yeah, that was yeah, that was the so, time that you did. Yeah, that's kind of I didn't transition there, and while law school, I did get a they, I did the joint program, business school, law school. So I did the the JD and MBA program there. Nice. And what what made you out. want the MBA on top of that? It was an extra year. Was the, the theme I was saying yeah. before was like, well, look, you. You know, it's really trying to maximize every opportunity, right? So you, I was in law school, and one of the things you, you get there, you learn, you talk to folks and get into classes, is that oftentimes it's laws and means to an end, right? So, like, there's a business decision. Some, you need to bring in the lawyers and the means to an end. And I ultimately wanted to understand, like, what are the business decisions? Like, what, you know, really both sides of the equation, business and the legal the legal decisions and businesses you need to get to move a company forward. And it's just the way the schools are positioned. I went to, um, I went to school at, at Duke, literally next to each other. The law school is here. The business school is right there. And Duke and so has I a pretty good by it every day. school. I know that much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, they're good schools. Good schools. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, I wanting to learn more about the business is really what prompted. And then you're there. And I could have did three years law school, two years business school, but if you combine them, it's four years instead of five. And so I decided to apply to business school and 
while there and, and do that. So did it then, feel like a good or how did the decision feel? So once again, this theme of like maximizing, you decide to go law school, business school, combine them four years. Now you're in it. Like, how did it feel when you made this pivot now that you're actually doing law and now learning business school, business techniques? Interestingly, I felt way more comfortable in business school than in law school. It was, I don't know, things, like law, like I felt like I had to work really hard and study like crazy hours. Business school, just, it was, I had to do the same thing there as well, but it came a little bit more naturally than the law side of things. So I felt comfortable. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't too big. It was, it was just more classes. And, you know, my, my thinking was, you know, if you put in the hours of work and the time to study, then, you know, you'll get the outcome you ultimately need. And so I put in, I studied hard and <laughs> studied long. Right. And, well, uh, where are you? No, you're coming from, you know, what, biomedical engineering and some other like things that took a lot of yeah. work and study and skill. And so I would imagine you transferred that into law and business. And so, okay, so you're going through now, was there any significant moments during these four years for you? Good question. I think you going down to the South, maybe South, I won't say South because Duke is, there's a lot of people coming from everywhere there. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I was in Northeast coming up and I know there was like, any particular pivotal moment, but it was, you know, I felt like to that point, I've been like, for the most part, unknowingly just in my own echo chamber of views, right? People. And then I go down to Duke and, you know, Mm. the views are, you know, vast. Yeah. And everyone is talented, smart, bright, have good arguments. And then, you know, it forces, you know, you to really think about what you really believe, your core beliefs, what's right, what's wrong. And because you got, and you have to be able to kind of substantiate that in arguments and conversations with folks. So I don't think there's anything particularly pivotal around those four years. It's just, it was maybe the year after was probably more pivotal when I, I clerked the year and that's where you know, the rubber hit the road. Now I actually have to perform like, like I've cracked the code on like how to get a good grade. Not necessarily know the work, but I can mm-hmm. get a good test score. Yeah. Right. And then it was way more challenging for me when I transitioned to start work, truthfully. And so maybe that's it's less I don't, you know, yeah. law school, yeah. business school was law school, business school. It's, it was school is an extension of a lot of people may take breaks. I kind of went straight through. But, you know, graduating and then actually working was probably, you know, a a bigger pivot point for me. So at this point, you, you know, you've been maybe going after a certain internal goal. You realize it's not medicine. You realize it's not engineering. You're doing law and business. Business comes a little bit more natural or feels there's something there that's a little bit more than law. And now you said like you clerk for a year. And so what was that? What was happening for you during, during that time? Yeah, so to date, I would say, you know, up to that point, I was able to crack the code. I was like, all right, you, I need to study these hours just like getting to get good grades. I clerked for a judge in the, its 10th Circuit Court of Appeals. It was out in Oklahoma City. And you get there and there's no, like, you got to know your stuff, mm. right? And, you know, you have these other really talented clerks 
And, you know, I came in with like, I could put piecemeal together and, and you figure things out. And that did not happen. I went there and truthfully, it was like a rough go. Like mm-hmm. this was the first time well, that I could really think of that I can, where I'm like, man, I'm not doing well here. Yeah. Right. I'm not doing well. And I didn't know how to fix it. Right. It was the, the school. I felt like I could fix things. Like I could figure it out. If I did a bad test, I could. There, it was just, it was way more challenging for me. And, you know, I think some of it, like people just knew their stuff. And I just had to really hunker down and figure this out. It took me a while. It took me a couple months. So it's a one year program, the one year thing. And it took me several months to, you know, finally crack the code, but it was an easy process because it was, it's real life. You're writing opinions and you're engaging with the, you know, different judges and you have to advise and you have to, you know, you know, be a really good writer. And, and so it took me some time to really get up to. What did you do to, as you say, to crack the code? So you're struggling or this is unfamiliar territory unfamiliar right? territory right yeah, like, yeah, yeah you're not doing well you can't put it together the way you normally would how did you cuz at this point right this is where some people get significantly discouraged or say like okay i'm going to leave or they push through but like whatever they don't maybe find a way to maximize so like how did you figure it out yeah so what i did was so i was trying to do a lot of stuff i was clerking this new environment i was actually to become a patent attorney, you actually have to take a, a patent bar exam. So I was studying for the patent bar exam. And so what ultimately happened, I think I just took the patent bar exam, got that out of the way. And then I had more time to focus on this, on the work at hand. And, you know, I love, you know, my judge, you know, it was tough, but reasonable. I loved working for with him. And, but, it, you know, I just really had to hunker down really and, and just, sit in my room and spend the time and effort to try to figure out how to do this and do it correctly and do it, you know, and do it to the level that I wanted to and that the judge expected of me. And, you know, there was, it was really just hard work in the back room. I lived literally across the street from the courthouse and just like I would go in on, I would go in seven days a week, Mm. seven days a week in there trying to figure this thing out. Now my McCall clerks and judges were there as well, um, working hard, you know, because I don't know, my judge was just always working to the limit. <laughs> and you just got to put the hours in until you crack the code a little bit. And at, at this point, now that you're, you know, you got your law degree, you're past the patent bar, or were your parents or other people you know, or professors or anyone else, or, you know, people that you're clerking with, or like, was anyone there like guiding, helping, supporting you and all that? Well, I think my parents, I would say my mother, right? And so, but give you give some context on my mother. She was a judge and she was a veteran. She was a former Marine. Okay. And so it was a lot of, <laughs> Squire, you signed up for this. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, look, put it in a box. That's what it would yeah, sound it's, like. Yeah, it's like, hey, look, do you want to do this or you don't? You don't have to do it. You could just leave, right? Like, right. there was a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and, um, <laughs> like, all right, I know that part. <laughs> exactly. It's like, you know, you have to, you know, you figure it out and she'll give some, you know, some inspiring words and what to do, but it was more squire. You wanted this, right? Yes. You got it. Yeah. You got it. Right. Yes. Okay. What are you going to do with it? Mm-hmm. Right. What are you going to do now? 
You got it. People fought. People want to be in your role. What? How are you going to handle this adversity? You know, you leave. You walk away. You can if you want to. You do that. Or, or you're going to stick it through and do what you've done in the past and try to figure out how to yeah. overcome this particular point in your life. And so that was the advice. I was like, that was like the advice. It wasn't substantive. It wasn't right, right, legal. Right. It was life. You know, life is get hard. Or get out. <laughs> life is hard. Get it done. You're privileged to be in this role and to you've had a lot of things go your way over your over your life. And look, people want what you got. So what are you going to do? And so that's kind of <laughs> that was the advice I got from my mom. So this clerk, you do this, you probably the first time that you're really struggling and having some adversity. Sounds like some of it was just like having the bandwidth, right? Because you were focusing lots of multiple areas. And then that also helped. What happens for you in your life, you know, after this point? So now you, you're, you know, college, law, yeah. business school, clerking, straight run. Right, what, straight what, run. what is happening after that? Yeah. And that, so that's and then I transitioned to the law firm. I was at a law firm in Philly, Philadelphia for a little over six years. And that's where you uh, definitely in the, the legal field, you really cut your teeth, right? Like that's where you're going to put in the crazy hours, the hundred hour weeks, the, and that was my life for, you know, the next six years. And I think it was interesting because you're like, I'm usually chasing a goal. Like you try to graduate and you get, then you go to grad, you go to um, undergrad, like, all right, well, I'm going to law school, professional school, whatever afterwards. And then you start working at the clerkship. I'm like, all right, I'm trying to get this, this really great law firm. Then I'll go work at this law firm. And then I came to this point where I was like, well, what, like, what do I want? What's next? Right. And I think a lot of people get to that in their careers because I'm used to running. I'm used to chasing after something. Yeah. Um, and I got there and I'm like, all right, because now, you know, partner, like you, the level is at the law firm, usually associate partner. Right. And that's an eight to 10 year window. So, so it's like, all right, well, I got 10 years to think about the mm -hmm. next step, like chase it after this. And so it was, it was interesting. Not like the, the law practicing was fine. You know, it was a lot of hard work, a lot of hard hours, but worked with some really amazing people, did some really amazing deals and did some, some really great technology and some really like smart clients, smart people that I worked with. But I think the real thing about working at the law firm was really trying to understand like, what do I want? in life because you know you get to a point where you know you, why are you like, you want to be partner but he's like why like why yeah. why do i want to be partner i didn't you know it's like because it was that's the top right I, I wanted to be the top and then and then it's like all right well you make good money it's just great but you don't really have time to spend it so it's like ah oh, well like what's important is it you know is it health is it money is it being around doing stuff you're passionate about and so it was several years of trying to figure. Yeah. And I can imagine how a lot of people, especially, you know, the people I have on the show, on this podcast, like, you know, high achievers, right? Like the drive, the push. And then all of a sudden you like, you wake up one day and you're like, yo, what am I doing? Like, and for some people that leads to burnout, some people that leads to, you know, the quarter life or half life crisis. Some people it's like, okay, maybe it's time for a pivot. And so, like, okay, you're there, like, all right, 
what is important to you? And, and I guess I'm curious, were you able to answer that question? It did not at the law firm, right? And so I did find out like where, because then I, what area that I prefer to work in, like I, I was a patent attorney writing patents. I started doing more deals. And that is where I was like, oh man, I love nego- I love doing deals. Like, like I have a passion for negotiating, doing deals. Like, I right. really enjoy that. And so that was the fun part of it. So I transitioned out of doing purely patent work and doing more deal stuff. And then, you know, in the law firm, just kind of some context. Like, when you do deals, you just do one deal. You go to the next company, do another deal. And so, like, it's a it's a constant flow of different deals. But I ultimately wanted to get into a business. I'm like, all right, well, I didn't want to just do the deal. I wanted to advise the business on why this deal is good or bad. Do yeah. the deal, and then where you know, then be involved in the implementation and execution to make sure the deal that we structured makes sense and it achieves all the the different benefits that you know for the purpose of that the deal was structured around. And so I wanted to do a lot of that. But it's interesting. So you, I pivot out of the law firm. I go in house. Okay. And, but then the drive still kicks in. It's like, well, all right, well, I'm an associate. I mean, so I was an associate and then I wanted to be a partner at the law firm. And then I went in house. I was like a director. And the top of the food chain in the legal field is general counsel. So, like, my whole frame of wanting to be the top would just shift from, from the law firm context to being in house at a company. Yeah. And then I'm chasing at something else. I'm like, all right, well, all right, I, I mean, I'm in the lawyer, I'm in the legal field. I want to be the top. I want to be the general counsel. And so it kicked off a whole nother, a whole nother uh, race. Now, look, I did be ultimately become a general counsel of a public company, and I did that. And that is probably where I was like, all right, well, what's next? Yeah. That is where I, because I checked the box of ultimately <laughs> where I wanted to be. Okay, hitting the top. And that's where I was like, what's next? Okay. No, I mean, I love it. And I'm really curious, like, you know, as you're saying, right, like maximizing things has been a theme for you. And it sounds like getting to the top, you know, where or how did that start for you? Like, I want to get to the top. And obviously you've done it academically, experiences, uh, programs, you know, firms, like general counsel, like you've been able to do that. Where did that like come from for you? You know what? I don't know. I I think it may have come from my father. Right. So he was, this is like the one thing I can remember from like going up in high school. I remember like I was running for, I was thinking of running for class president or something like that. And I think my dad said like, why wouldn't you? Like, why not? It wasn't like, why should I do it? It was like, why wouldn't you do that? Right. And it, and I was like, you're right. Like, why not do that? Right. There wasn't a good reason not to. And so and that kind of mindset probably kind of just infiltrated like throughout my life. It's like you get to so look, look. I mean, and I think part of it, I don't look. I'm a man of faith in God, and I think anything that I've been given, anything that I, my network, classes, family, friends, is I don't think it's me. Like I think God has just blessed me with these things, and that's why I'm like I can't really take credit mm-hmm. for really much of what I've done because I think I'm just, you know, I've been blessed over the years. But I get these things and I feel like it's because I've been given these talents, what have you, 
it's my obligation to kind of maximize it and, and yeah. do what ultimately God intended me for me to do with these things that he's blessed me with. Mm. And so I think to some extent it's, it's that, right? Like I've been yeah. giving things that been put in situations that I'm just able to, to look at and say, all right, look, I've been blessed with this. I need to figure out how to maximize this. And to me, it's like serve, right? Give back and do what I can to, you know, you know, do the, get the most out of what I've been given. So you know, it makes me think about, you know, something that, you know, in our household, we've talked a lot about, you know, to whom much is given, much is required. And it, it's like you're part of how I'm hearing that and what you're saying is that to whom much has been given, I've been blessed. And the required is like, so therefore I have to maximize it. Or therefore, I will maximize it. That's the requirement that I've I've been given these things, and my requirement is then to maximize it. And then that might be, and then serve or give back or do other things once you know it's maximized, which I think is really like that's amazing and profound. And you know that you've been you know a hard worker and successful. So you get to this place, you get to the top, general counsel, and then it's the okay, what's next? Right. What What is next? Right. And so then you start to think about like, um, like what's important. Not, I mean, they're not there, but I, you know, I've been thinking about what's important for some time. And, you know, I do these annual, I've been doing this now five, six, seven years, something like that. I do this personal development plan at the end of each year. And I do like different areas of my life. I'm like health, family, professional travel entrepreneurship like seven different areas and i'm like all right this is my goal for the year because it it helps me to it helped me to identify what's important because i was at a point where i think like five or six six different things i was really gung-ho about profession like i was just going hard and what i found was i needed to be as intentional and as intense as i was about my career as i you know, as I was in my career, as it should be about my my health, like my my family, my friends. Like I needed to be as intentional about all of that. And so, doing this for a number of years, you think through like, okay, what's really important to me ultimately was, you know, I didn't you know like I may go back to law at some point, but I had this idea to run a, a investment fund for some time. I've been fortunate over the last couple of years that I, essentially I had the ability to essentially take a break. I was like, all right, look, I'm going to, I did, did what I needed to do. I could take three years off and work on this project that I've been nurturing for the last 10 years. Right. And so I've had this, so it's kind of what I'm doing now. I have an investment fund. Which is going to be one of my questions is what are you doing now? So yeah. you may as well go into that. So, so yeah. Yeah. So it's, I launched an investment fund it's called Cyrodex Bio. It is an impact-minded, life science-focused investment firm. Our mission is to accelerate health equity. And so the thesis is, you know, we want to deploy money and capital specifically into drugs, oh no, into to drugs and treatments that treat diseases that disproportionately impact underserved populations. Yeah. And so, you know, we want to look at Essentially, we want to figure out a way where we can start closing health inequality gaps by by leveraging finance and and kind of all those that suite of tools. And so it took me a while to kind of get there. So right now, 
man, I won't, we could talk about the fun in, in a little bit, but like I'm chasing impact. Right. And sure. so like, I, I'm not necessarily chasing like, you know, the GC, the title and those things anymore. And, you know, look, yeah, not that I just, I've done it, but like, it's just what's important to me now is more, I have kids now, <laughs> like, you know, I want to be around for them. And like, I want to leave my mark in a positive way yeah. on the world. And I think this entrepreneurial endeavor is my avenue to try to do that. Uh, right. I love it. I really love how you shared, you know, this personal development plan, right? This like five to seven step plan that you've been doing for the past few years of really assessing these key areas in your life. And so many of us, we don't, <clears throat> so many of us only lean to what we know or what we do well, but don't really kind of work on those other areas. And it sounds like you really said, okay, these are some parts of my life that I'm not really doing that I could be better in, or I could put some more energy and you started to do that. Which then also sounds like that led to even the thought of like, what if I had some time? Because, you know, it's so interesting. I've been hearing so many people tell me through my clinical work, through conversations, through friends, of like, I just wish I could take a break. I just wish I could have a sabbatical right now or some time. Right. But I don't I can't for whatever set of reasons. Right mainly financial, mainly I got to do, I got to go to work. And, and I know you didn't really take a break break, but it sounds like you were able to like, give yourself some space to really focus on, on this, on this impact, this initiative that was something you've been thinking about for a while. Right. No, absolutely. And I think, I think there's a lot of people want to be entrepreneurs Mm. in general. They have that idea. Yeah. Or they, the thought of running their own business I don't think a lot of people know what that idea is. Right. And so like, even if they had the bandwidth to say, you know, what, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to go after it. They don't, the idea may not be fully developed where they can do it. I think that's one thing. And then some people like, it is scary. It is just legit scary. You're leaving yeah, comfort know. and safety. And so I think doing my personal development plan over the years where I had a specific bucket that I thought about every year around like, what am I doing entrepreneurially? Like, yeah. what are my endeavors there? And so by the time I got to, I had the bandwidth, the ability to take a break, I had the idea and it was been sitting there and the nurtured over like five to 10 years. Nice. And a lot of people just so- jump. They, you know, they take the leap. Good. Right. But it's not fully baked. It's, it's not, not fully baked. baked. Right. It's, they're not really ready. And that can cause some challenges or some early failures or disappointments yeah. when, you know, it's always going to be tough and scary. But yeah, you could have a different runway if, if it's more nurtured. Oh, oh yeah. And like, yeah, truth be told, like my wife had the, she gave me the clearance, right? Like, <laughs> right, she, right. You know, you know she, looked, she, right, right. she was like, look, like, how much money we got saved up? Yeah. Like, can we, is this going to change our, imp- and we had to work through the real implications of me leaving a high paying job yeah, to do this. Right. And so, yeah, so there's some real, it's a difficult decision for people to make, but I always find it interesting that people do want to leave, but they don't just, they don't have the idea. Right. And sometimes yeah. you just got to kind of take time to flesh that out. I recently fully made that move to be independent 100%. 
And, you know, I had some opportunities to consult and to speak and do some other stuff, but to fully do it on my own. And, and some of it was just realizing where I wanted to put my energy and where I felt I was being called, pulled in so many different ways. And, you know, and like you said, it, it's not always easy. And sometimes it's often scary for people, yeah. but some, you need the clearances, you need the time, you need to have hopefully like kind of matured it a bit. And, but, and I guess that leads me to this thought of like, what you say that you've been doing and interested in, that's really specific and pulls together a few different worlds, right? Like the thought of like health inequities, the thought of disparities that are out there that sometimes people don't even give enough credit to like, this is real, that there's some people and some populations and some cultures and some ethnic backgrounds where the health situations that they experience is at a disproportionate level compared to others and what is being done to reduce that gap. And so you found that lane. And I guess, like, how did you decide or figure out, like, that's the lane I want to be down? Now, so, so the idea of me starting a fund, just broadly, like, forget the impact side yeah. of equity. When I was at the law firm, I met this gentleman who owned his own firm. And I remember sitting down, I was like, what you doing? It's pretty interesting. And I'm like, I want to do what you do. Like, yeah. he's like, he gave me the roadmap. He's like, this is what you need to do. This is the different jobs you need to take over the next five years. Hmm. And so from a pure substantive, like of an, what a fund does, yeah. like he gave me that roadmap and the experiences that I need. And I was working and trying to get those experiences over the last some odd years. Was specifically the impact side, like I've always been a big advocate of just more diversity in the law and business for that matter. And I've been active in, a, in different fronts of really, you know, I would call it like occupational segregation, right? Like, hey, how do we get more diversity into, you know, the jobs that, you know, your banking, your management consulting, things like that. And and it was really around like exposing. So I've been, I would say, active in thinking through, and it's a passion of mine, trying to help close, you know, certain gaps on that front. Yeah. And try to make swords primarily around the law. Lawyers succeed. People that want to become a general counsel can do that and what that looks like and become a partner. And it was a passion of mine. And then you have George Floyd several years ago uh, murdered. And, you know, the world starts to think differently about diversity, equity, mm -hmm. and inclusion. Right. And so now I wasn't thinking of leaving quite yet when that happened, but that was like, okay. We're in a period of time yeah. that, you know, these types of efforts, the DEI efforts, inclusion efforts, are becoming more digestible to the general population, I would say. And, you know, you start, I had this fund idea. We had, you know, the, you know some leeway, some ability to, to do it. And, I was like, well, look, there, there, there's a problem here. And you have, then you have COVID layered on top of that. And all of a sudden you see on TV, it was hard to not discuss yeah. health inequalities, right? Because, you know, black and brown people were disproportionately dying, going to the hospital. I mean, you look at a lot of the different metrics around COVID, definitely initially it was these big gaps. Yeah. And so people started talking about it. And I felt like, you know, if you could leverage capitalism, like you could harness that energy 
and direct it to health equity. Yeah. It's a win-win, right? And so, and that's kind of, so the a variety of factors that kind of played into ultimately, you know, my passion to try to close just broadly racial, racial gaps to the extent, we, you know, I could, or racial inequalities. And then, you know, you have the health equity context and you have the fund idea. And it's just kind of all those kind of came together at the right time. And then the real difficulty was, was like, how do you put a business model around this yeah. where, you know, you can make, you have to make my investors, you know, they are <laughs> passionate about the mission, but they don't want to lose their money. Right. Yeah, so, sure. right. And so you have to figure out a way to do this in a way that you could do good and do well at the same time. You know, my wife is in uh, public health. And so we've had these conversations for years about health disparities, food deserts, you know, the disproportionate levels of almost everything, HIV, you know, like all these other areas. And then, like you mentioned, we saw this huge gap in with COVID and deaths as a result of COVID, especially in some of our major cities. And and I think that that's often what you said at the end is often the struggle is like, sometimes we see the mission, the need, but then how do we figure out the business model, right? Or people figure out the business model, but they're not really thinking about impact or or people who are in need. And, you know, to be able to figure out a win-win, it sounds like, you know, it was great. I mean, obviously you still got to then go out and be successful. <laughs> you still got to go out and deliver, yeah, yeah. right? But, you know, at least, you know, being able to do that. You know, as we wrap up, there's a few other questions, you know, I'd like to kind of ask. One, how has the business been going since you moved in and doing the fund? How's that been going for you? Yeah, so far, so good, right? So we've been, we spent the last several months really on a couple of things, building out the team. So we, we have a really strong team now, which is great. We, we've been raising some money. So we have some money coming in, which is good. And we've been... On the other side, we've been identifying some areas where we want to invest. And so on all those three fronts, it's it's moving along. So I, my goal is to every day, definitely in those three areas, I need to have a win. It could be a small win, big win. Every day, it, the goal is to get a win. And I, I have, a, I have a, a paper, I check. I'm mm. like, did I get a win today in one of these areas, uh, each one of these areas? And... To me, if you do that, small wins, 365, get a win every day, Yeah. then, um, then you can start building momentum. And, yeah. and, and so my goal, again, is to can just move the ball forward by any means necessary every day. And so, and so far, that's been, we've been, we've got some good traction, some, some good movement and identifying some really good opportunities. So I'm happy where we are. Obviously, there's always more to do. But I'm excited where we're going. Oh, that's that's great. You know, and as someone who is in the MBA program, executive MBA program now, I appreciate, you know, what I'm hearing from you and your ability to do that. Uh, so I, I'm learning even, you know, in this moment. Uh, so some of the questions I'd like to ask as we wrap up. One, you already answered, like, what you're doing now. Two, I wonder if you could work with, collaborate with, partner with anybody, who would you want to do that with? Oh, and it man. could be a person or entity. No, that's a really great question. I, mean, I probably should have known this off the top of my head. Right? Some people. So look, I think people that are passionate about 
I guess, investing money and, and deploying it in an impactful way. I think, you know, your Oprah, your, your Tyler Perry, these are like, you know, folks that, because like, look, we're, when we talk to funds, we've talked to athletes, entertainers, what have you. And, you know, those, you know, people like those that have, it's not just the capital, but the impact, right? Yeah. That, that they, they can garner. And I think they would, I mean, like, I feel like I can learn, just learn from them in general. And so I think either of those would be amazing to kind of work with at some point. Great. No, I mean, I could totally see that, you know, folks who could leverage both, not only what they are able to invest, but also how they can share, share the news, right? The good news, as they say. Last two questions. One, what does mental wellness mean for you? I think it's so, to me, it's the ability, let me see how I frame this. I think it's something that is necessary to, I don't know, I mean, I don't really have a strong answer, but it's a good question. I mean, there's a lot of ideas that's running through my brain about what yeah. that could look like and what that means. And I think it's necessary for success or whatever success is defined by because you need it to sustain yourself, right? I think if you're not, you know, I think we worry about our physical health all the time, but not necessarily mental health. Yeah. And and going back to look, those five, six things that I say that I work out on a daily or on an annual basis, if you don't have the mental piece correct, I think you'll have misalignment in other areas. Yeah. And, and you may not be able to connect the dots because, you know, it sometimes is difficult to see, I would say. No, I mean, and, and I appreciate you even, you know, thinking through what that might mean. Because, like, I think it is sometimes it's not top of mind. It is not something that we are always aware of. But I think a good amount of us know that it's important, but sometimes have to figure out what does that really look like for me or how does that show up? Which leads to my other question is, what mental wellness advice would you give to your younger self? And that could be as early as yesterday or any time in the past. I would say you don't have to do everything. You don't, you can't, you can't do everything by yourself. Right. And, you know, you have to, you know, take breaks. You can't, and this is maybe some going back to some of the things that I've done. You can't be solely focused on one spectrum of your life without one considering how it's going to impact the others, but in, or just in, Instead of anything else, you have to kind of look at things holistically in those different areas of your life. Because I think, I mean, there's so much advice I would give my younger self at this point, you know, and maybe the other thing is I would say, trust your instincts. I think it took me some time, yeah. you know, to learn to, to trust my gut instincts on people, on ideas, on whatever that is. And usually it's right. Right. And then, you know, I used to get in my own head and like my gut would say something, but then my mind will, the logic will kick in. I'm like, well, if I could do X, I could do mm -hmm. Y, and this way you do this, and then, yeah. And ultimately it doesn't work out. Yeah. And my gut was right the entire time. And so <laughs> trust your instincts, trust your mind, trust kind of those internal markers, internal feelings that sometimes can, you know, keep you out of trouble, I would say. 
Uh, I think that it's so important, right? Like this thought of, and especially with what you've shared, like uh, a lot of the times, like you can have the model, you can have the mission, but it doesn't mean that like this thing is the thing that's going to pop or going to work or, or not work. Right. And so to have some other metric involved, <laughs> that being your gut and your instincts that, that you've built over time, right. Yeah, to recognize. It's honed. Exactly. Right. right. Uh, to know that, like, it's not like just like you're just out here just doing whatever, but you've built it and honed it in a way to like say, OK, I know what a good opportunity is or what feels right. right in a moment. And that could be fueled by faith. Like I I try like I almost almost daily I read my Bible. Right. Like, And I think that that constant wisdom and knowledge and understanding helps and definitely help shape my instincts and my gut and what that ultimately looks like. Cause like what I think is right now is definitely not what like my gut made me say back in the day, but, but and so like, as long as you have like, I think it, your instincts can change and can be influenced from my internal factors, but it gets refined over the years, Yeah, which you know, I, I'm big on trying to, and that's what I'm big on now. It's like, look, I gotta, cause I'm in an area where there's so much gray space <laughs> and there's so much uncertainty yeah, that I'm making decisions without having, like, knowingly not having all the information that yeah. I would want. Yeah, and and so when you're in that area, you're working in this gray zone and making calls and decisions. You have to, like, because you, you're not going to have all the data you need a lot of times to make these calls. Makes sense, right? Something that kind of anchors you, something that grounds you, as there's so much ambiguity and gray space right. that's out there. Squire, I really appreciate you you joining and sharing just like your your journey and how like you've just, you know, really been a hard worker, like guided by your faith and also by like just uh, to get to that next place and how you've redefined that over the years to this place now of wanting to be of impact for yourself and your family, but also for the community and for folks, black and brown folks who are, are dealing with, you know, health inequities. And I, you know, I wish you continued success and maybe some partnership with Tyler Perry and Oprah and some others along the way. And, you know, before we wrap, is there any, you know, last words that you'd like to share? No, I think, you know, go after, chase your dreams and, you know, believe in yourself. And you like, I think people, if really believe in yourself, you really can do anything and go after it. Don't be scared. Definitely. If it's a new venture, you know, go, go after it. Awesome, man. Look, I really appreciate you joining me here on Leapcast and sharing your journey and your Leap story and all the things that you're doing and all the things that led to it. So thanks again. I appreciate it, man. Wow. What an incredible ride we just went on with another great member of the Leapcast community. I appreciate you listening and hope you got some tangible value from the episode. Please let us know what you think by leaving a comment, rating, and review. As always, please don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Dr. George James, and I'll see you next time.